Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Bam, what's happening, y'all? We are live. You know how we do it. This is how we do it. I've been listening to 90s hip hop. I'm sorry. Best hip hop era ever. Uh, so let me know in the chat, change your chat settings down to everyone and tell us where you are tuning in from uh, and shout out your company in the chat. Let us know what company you're repping right now in the chat. Where are you tuning in from and what is the company that you're repping coming to the show right now? That's what we want to know. Uh, so join us. Yes, the pool table guy. That's me. What's up, Steven? We can play again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's going on, Kristen? It's good to see you. I'm going to introduce you in a minute. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we already, I already like you even more than I did before when you said 90s is the best era for hip hop. You're exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Kansas City. I love it. Uh, they got an oddly good barbecue culture in KC. I don't know if you know that. Oddly good. And yeah, no oddly part. good. You wouldn't expect it to be as good as it is, but KC has a great barbecue culture. <laughs> One of the best. One of the best. <laughs> All right, let's kick things off. Have a little fun. I launched this question. This is how we tailor the conversation so that we can make it relevant to you. Let us know what you are uh, and change your chat settings to everyone. Let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. You're here to learn how to fill your pipeline faster with multi-threading. They say multi-threading closes faster than any other deal. Deals that are multi-threaded close. Shout out New Jersey. I see you. India, what's happening? You always represent. Uh, hey, what's going on, ATL? Ron, I see you, buddy. Uh, all right. So I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I am joined by Kristen Connor of User Gems. She's been on the show before, but I don't think with me, right? No, this is a first with you. So oh. exciting. Oh, I feel honored. This is amazing. Uh, User Gem is such a great organization, giving you insights that you need. Before we kick things off here, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we got you covered. Go ahead and scan that QR code on your screen or visit us at sellbetter.xyz so you can figure out how you can become a member at Sell Better by JB Sales. This is how you level up on a consistent basis. That's what we want to do with you. Uh, all right, let's make this happen. Shout out to our partners, Apollo.io, Outreach and Humantic. What's going on, Humantic? Uh, we want to give you guys a chance to go ahead and grab this buyer intelligence tool, tap into your buyer's personality, win their trust, sell the way they want to be sold to. So get started with Humantic today. We're putting this link in the chat. Go get it. You guys know we put the best resources in the chat so that you guys can get a hold of it. Let me give you a little bit about what you're going to get today. Kristen is a genius, came up with this from trial and error. She's going to talk about that three by three by three. What's it mean? How do we use it? What's the process? Is it going to help me win and how? You're going to see some practical examples of multi-threaded emails that are kind of attacking different agendas with little nuggets there. Uh, and then also sales tech, stuff that you can use that's going to help multi-thread your deals sooner, going farther and wider, much faster. That's the stuff you're going to get today. Uh, all right, let me know. Let's look at some of the people in the room here. Boom. Hey, look at that. Shout out to the SDRs and the AEs in the room. Uh, first, first off, Quick advice for SDRs and AEs when it comes to multi-threading. What is the difference between SDR multi-threading and AE multi-threading? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to see that we're good, well represented on both sides because everybody should be doing that. Um, on the SDR side, um, at the beginning of the deal, you should be going far and wide, right, into the organization because you want to know. I mean, you know who your buying personas are, but you also want to try to figure out who's responding to you, who's opening your stuff, who might be the change agent in the organization that you might not suspect from their title. So absolutely. And then um, AEs, once that deal gets started or for full cycle AEs when they're prospecting, 
um, you know, obviously that that first SDR thing applies to them. But the further we go in the deal, we should still be multi-threading because you don't want to just get happy ears, get one person that you think is a champion and then exclude or or stop your effort with everybody else. You, we'll talk about this ex- an example a little bit later, but sometimes those people that they may not have engaged with you, those executives may not have answered your email, but as, as you're keeping them aware of the deal, they may come back in and save it at the end. So you can't get complacent once the deal started. Yeah, a big thanks to Kevin Dorsey. That's where you heard that originally, right? You want to go low for Intel. You want to go in the middle, managers, directors, that kind of thing for insights, and then high for that influence to get that deal done. Uh, when you were talking about going deeper, uh, it always gets me into these questions of like how many people actually get, how many decision makers people try to talk with. Uh, and th- you said something on our call before we get into this this three by three. I want to ask this question: How many decision makers? Do you send emails to before your first scheduled call? We'll talk about why this is relevant here in a minute. I'm interested to see what people say. Uh, when you when you and I first started talking about multi-threading, uh, you said most people try and fail because they go for the introduction too soon. Talk to me about going for the introduction too soon, and we'll get you an alternative for that here. Yeah. So a lot of times we get somebody on a first call and they seem you know, relatively interested in what we're talking about. And we automatically then in our mind say, well, this is my champion. And then we start asking, well, okay, so who else should I be talking to? But this is our first or second call with them. They don't even know that they want to be a champion yet. They don't know what's like that. And so we need to be helping them. And sometimes even if they are a champion already, if they want to help us, they may not even know, they may be new to their org. They may not even know who needs to be involved. So it's much better for us to um, be proactive um, so that we don't, so that they, that person doesn't start acting as a gatekeeper. And also it makes a better buying experience if we've gone ahead of them and we already have some idea about who they should be including in that process. And also if we've already started that conversation for them. Yeah. I, I think that I even see it in a second email. You know, somebody will send me an email and they want to talk to me about something. And if I don't respond, the second email I get is like, well, who should I be talking to? And it's like, dude, like, I don't know you. I'm not going to like stick my name on you and be like, John, you should talk to this guy or, you know, hey, yeah. Chris, here's this person. I don't know you, man. <laughs> like they go for the intro way too soon. And in that second touch, uh, let me know in the chat. There's a lot of leaders in the room, but also AEs get this too sometimes. Let me know in the chat how many people have reached out to you and immediately been like, who should I talk to? Way too soon for you. Yes, in the chat if you get this as well. Uh, I want to talk about an alternative to this, right? And this is where you came up with the three by three. Now, you said you came to this process that you use through trial and error. So let's let's break this process down and talk about these three steps for these three people. Yep. So this is the... One of the biggest differences about this approach, and again, I learned by doing it the wrong way, is you want to do this before you talk to anyone, right? So when you when that first meeting gets set, whether you set it as a full cycle AE or your uh, SDR helps you set it, once you get that first meeting set, let's say VP of sales, chances are you're going to have at least two or three more buying personas that are not on that meeting that haven't responded or um, are, haven't been invited and so you want to reach out to three more buying personas before that first meeting even happens. You want to put them in a very simple three-step sequence, and then you want to mark it in your system, like an outreach or sales off, uh, for a three-part follow-up so that you are creating a system and a process for yourself to keep them involved throughout the deal. But the main thing is you want to do it before that first meeting ever happens. Mm. 
um, sometimes I think people get the wrong impression about reaching out to multiple people at an organization. Let's look at some of the results here from this last one. It looks like most people just talk to the target that they're looking to schedule the call with. 36% of the people, <laughs> two to three people. I mean, that's good, right? You feel like two to three people is common for a multi-thread? I mean, that's what you're suggesting here is the, the three people. What about larger organizations. This is probably in the like four or five, sometimes more than that, right? Talk to me about enterprises, yeah. sidebar on the enterprise side, but one in the chat oh, as yeah. you work enterprise deals. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, a lot of, yeah, there we go. Okay. So talk to me, let's, let's sidebar for just a moment and let's talk about enterprise deals. How many people multi-threaded should we be looking at for enterprise? Okay. So I would say for every decision maker persona that you have. So let's say for us, so we deal with uh, one of our decision makers is VP sales. So if I'm prospecting into an organization or multi-threading into an organization, for every VP that I'm dealing with, I want to have three layers. So if I have three buying personas and then three layers, that means I'm talking to at least, I'm working with at least nine people. If you have six buying personas, you want three people there. So that's like 18 and that's not unusual for a really large organization. But the three levels of people you want to be talking with, you want to be talking with people at the executive level. You want to be people talking with people at a management level and you want to be talking with people at an end user level because the people who are end users are always going to be asked for their feedback about how they think it works. The manager level is going to be responsible for those people's results. So they care about how it works. And then the executive is ultimately ultimately going to be responsible for the ROI. So everybody has a different, um, everybody has different skin in the game and you need to be able to talk to each of those levels. But yeah, on an enterprise deal, it's not unusual for true enterprise for you to be talking with 18 to, to 20 people and keeping them informed at, at various points. I feel like sometimes there are some misconceptions about educational multi-threading versus direct asks. Um, I just, I want to continue on this mid-market and enterprise deal uh, path for a moment. When people start multi-threading at an enterprise, I feel like sometimes the message gets disconnected. That's because you're dealing with multiple agendas and multiple titles. How do we, um, at the enterprise level specifically, how do we tie this together? at the end, right? And what, you know, is there an end? Does it just keep going? Do we just keep talking to multiple people at all these different levels? When do we cut ties? Do you have a hard stop? I haven't gotten anywhere, so I'm done. I mean, I think it depends. It depends on the deal, but it, it, as a deal is, if a deal is progressing, you need to keep talking to all of those people because all of those people have different insights into what's happening at different levels of the organization. For executives, most executives are not going to be involved in every single meeting and every single step of the deal. So what you want to do with executives is keep them informed. Very, very short emails. Um, you want it, everybody's emails should be short, um, especially short for executives. And you want to make sure that you're speaking to what they care about. End users care about, does this crap actually work? Managers care about, does my team actually see results from this? executives care about, do we grab market share? Can I get promoted based on the ROI after this initiative? Like everybody cares about different things and you need to be speaking to those things. And you and I talked about this before. You need to be doing that on a single, there's multi-threading, but there's also thing, single threading. You should be single threading that communication. Um, what, whenever you're 
following up with multiple people, you still should do it on a one-to-one basis. It's more work, but you should do it that way. So I appreciate more work. And that's always a, a good answer for people out there. You know, multi-threading takes work. It takes time, but it does advance a deal much faster. And I think there's like, almost like you're creating an internal buzz amongst the group, yep. right? I saw a lot of content from you about like this buzz that you create by sending out these webs, if you will. I'm, I'm talking to this team about this one thing that they do, but I'm also talking to this team. And then also I have this side conversation happening with this other decision maker over here. And we're on like a text basis. Now this type of stuff ends up being talked about as a group in internal meetings. And then you get feedback from everybody from the same time and you can tie it all together at the end. Doesn't that seem like a logical progression? Let me know if that makes sense to you in the chat. Talk about if this, if this is something you do on the multi-threading scale, and then we'll, we'll ask a couple more questions, get your questions in the Q and a so that we can answer them. I like doing that during the show. Boom. There we go. Hey, Alex, thank you very much. Uh, if you're reaching out to these people before talking to anyone, how do you toe the line between offending your champion and initial contact with when you're multi-threading to other people in teams? This is a great question. And we are going to give you some yep. tips around that. Uh, you said that the deeper the research, the deeper, the deeper you get in the deal, the deeper the research that you do. And this is right around that time where we start talking about that kind of stuff, because this is how you avoid offending people. Talk to me. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. You need to understand um, more about the people in the organization. You need to understand what is their personal win. You need to understand, kind of help them um, help you understand the politics of the organization. Um, but as far as like offending people, that's why, or, or getting that perception that we're going around, that's why we start the, that's why we start multi-threading before we ever meet with anyone, because that way they can't say, well, why did you reach out to the VP of marketing? You and I have a meeting. Um, you're like, well, yeah, we've been reaching out to multiple people for months and, and we'll can, you know, we'll continue to, and we're excited to talk with you today, but it's not going around if you've already been reaching out to them. That's why you want to do that first. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question from Alex. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm I'm curious about the length of emails that we're sending when we're multi-threading. Uh, so I'm going to launch this right now. And let's just be honest. It's okay. There's no one judging you. These are anonymous questions that we're asking you. But you said one way that people could stand out was they could be more active on social media. And you talked about leaving thoughtful commentary. I want to note that thoughtful commentary there inside the social media platforms because they might have a bunch of emails. Talk to me about this. How do people look through their emails and then associate that and it makes them feel good? Yeah. Yeah. So that's whenever I say you put them in a three-step sequence, my three-step sequence is the first thing I do is look for a post that they've made on LinkedIn or if they're not on LinkedIn, but they're on Twitter, um, anything that, you know, that they're active on social media. And I want to leave a thoughtful comment on that because executives may have 200 emails from salespeople but they might have four comments on what they posted on LinkedIn. Most of the time, what they're going to be posting is like company specific stuff, some product that they're launching or a picture of their team at an event. You can even say like, hey, this looks like a great product. I can see it having applications for X, Y, and Z. Like you want to show that you've read what they've looked at, but that's going to stand out 
because no, because again, no one's commenting other than their team. And so all of a sudden you're right at top of mind for them. So that's the first part of my sequence is I want to comment on something they've said. Then that same day, I want to reference that comment or that post whenever I reach out to connect with them on LinkedIn. Because if we're first degree connections, then later I can send them a direct message. Um, and then only after um, we've connected, then I'm then I will send them an email um, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm talking with James on your team, talking with him on Monday. Here's the topic of our conversation. You might not be involved at this point, but in case you have a KPI here, just wanted to let you know it's going on. Uh, let me know if I should send you an, e uh, an email invite. If not, happy to keep you in the loop as things progress. So we're we're telling them." we're going to keep them informed. They can always opt out, which what you're not doing is you're not asking for time and you're not asking them to opt in. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of this. I will often send value with no ask or, and this is another one that I think is good. You know, I was thinking about our conversation the other day and this thought came to mind, yep. right? This is like, yo, what you said resonated with me. I've been having this other conversation with this person. Maybe we should all talk about this on the next call or set up a separate conversation where we can address these two agendas together, right? So that we're on the same page. All this does is build great cheerleaders for you. Uh, we're going to talk about the length of emails here in just a moment. So check this. I see some questions popping up in the bubble in the chat. Throw your questions in the Q&A. We do want to answer those questions as we move forward here, uh, but we'll do them from the Q&A. You can upvote the ones that matter most. Check out some of these results right here. Well, the higher they climb, the lengthier. 5% say that they're getting longer as they climb. I would caution you. We're going to show you an example of why that is not, uh, maybe not your best move. Let's change a couple 5% of you's practices here. Any shockers here for you on the results, Kristen? This is kind of what I expected. I'm actually pleased to see 35% say shorter, the better. That gives me that gives me hope. Yeah. <laughs> I also like this, uh, this element, this 21% here that says they have to scroll once on mobile. Do you find a lot of, uh, you know, mobile friendly emails for this group, but then like lengthier emails for this group, maybe below the line might be a little longer because you have like deeper questions. No. Yeah. I think that's a good call out sometimes below the line or like, um, user level, sometimes lengthier there is better because they may have very specific questions about how something works. And if they're asking you specific questions, by all means, send them all the information they need. Um, but generally for above the line as you're keeping people informed, shorter is better. Um, best practice will tell you they shouldn't have to scroll at all. Yeah. Yeah. No scroll is definitely the best, I think, for consumption. Fast consumption is what I'm after. I always tell people, think about how you consume content, right? You might be scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or something and you see something that captures your attention. And then when you click on it, you like see that it's a nine minute video and you're like, oh, forget that. I'm out. Right. <laughs> you move on. That's how people feel about your emails. Uh, let me get a one in the chat if you're feeling that comment, because that's how people consume emails today. Uh, we got some good questions coming in. Make sure you get yours in. You can upvote those. I love Q&A. That's what we do at the end here. I want to get back to this statement that you made and talk about the differences in SDR work and AE work when we have to go deeper. Some SDRs are a little bit more deeper in the process for qualification and discovery and research, and other SDRs are appointment setters that are going through cold calls and doing no research. So talk to me about those researched SDRs that are going deeper into accounts. What's the difference between that and the AE's research that happens throughout the deal? Yeah, I think SDR can probably pull together for the most part what they need in about 15 minutes. You look at their LinkedIn, you look at to see if there's any 
something in their background or experience or where they went to school that would give you a way to easily make your email relevant. Um, if they worked at a company that is now your customer, like that shouldn't take you that long, especially if you're just if you're just prospecting. But the further in you go, the more you should be researching. Um, I like to ask, um, as like we talked about uh, what Kevin Dorsey says, like call low for Intel, right? Like, so if you are talking, so I talk to sales reps a lot of times and say, okay, hey, tell me about your manager, your BP, you're excited about user gems, you want to use it. Okay, this is how we can help your manager. This is how we can help your BP. Tell me about them. How do they like to be communicated with? Are they a text person? Do they want a phone call? Is that how they want to communicate? What do they want? Like you just think about that, what emotionally they want. Some people want, um, they're very altruistic. They want their lives to be easier for their team. Some people are very ambitious. They want to get promoted. They, they're like, I want to be VP. Then I want to be CXO. Then I, I mean, like, and people internally know those things, right? Inherently about people they work with and they'll help you. It's also another tool I use called Crystal Nose. Um, and they, uh, they have a plugin for LinkedIn and it will, uh, um, scan basically all their public information, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera, and give you a feel for their personality. It's not a hundred percent, but I find it to be directionally accurate. Do they want a story or do they want a stat? Those are things I want to know before I meet with them. That's a good one. We talk about crystal nose a lot, uh, but sometimes I read my own and I'm like, damn it. They're right, but I hate that they're right. So don't know, read your right? own. That's that's no. my tip to you. Don't read your own. You'll you'll be odd about it because it's so right. Uh, you <laughs> you provided true. a great example for us. But before I show this example of you know how an email should change as you move up the ladder, I want you to clarify something for me because I had the wrong impression when I first started thinking about multi-threading. I thought, oh, that's like multiple people on one thread. No, it's actually different and it's more like single threading and that can be very confusing. So talk to me about this and let's, it's called Crystal Nose, Kelly. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's called Crystal Nose. If we get a link in the chat, Maria, that would be wonderful. Uh, but talk to me about this single threading and multi-threading and the difference between the two and why people get confused. Yeah, I think the confusion is thread, right? Because it sounds like an email thread, but that's not what we're talking about. So multi-threading is, is communicating with multiple people in a deal to get a deal done. What, But how we do that is not by putting everyone on the same email thread, because when we do that, what we do is create friction and confusion. Because if you include three to six to 12 people on the same email, no one, you, what you've done is made no single person responsible for that. Mm. Everyone thinks someone else is doing it. And so, and no one knows like, what does this mean? And if you're emailing 12 people involved in a deal, they each have a different agenda for what is happening in that deal. They each want to see different impacts. So yes, it's going to take you longer, but you need to be sending out those emails singly to those people speaking specifically about what the impact is for them. That's how you get a reply. That's how you get someone to be on a text basis or a LinkedIn message with basis with you where they start telling you the scoop on what they really want, what their organization really wants. They're not going to do it when their boss and their boss's boss are on the same email thread. It's not happening. You know, I want to know from the audience, type, you know, pessimist or optimist or P and O in the chat. I am an internal optimist. And I think that my thought is that if I add two or three of these DMs to this one email somewhere in Slack internally, they're going to be like, Hey, who's taking this, 
you know, who's responsible for this, but the reality is they don't give a shit about it, <laughs> right? That's not happening internally, but that's what we think. So when I thought like single thread, I was like, oh, you know, that way that makes way more sense. Uh, so let me know in the chat. Do you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist? Do you know they're not they're not thinking about you, or are you an optimist like me? You're like, oh, I'm definitely important, right? <laughs> Optimists, yes. Shout out to my optimist primes in the room. I love it. Uh, maybe that's a meme. That's trademark. Don't take that from me. Uh, all right, let's look at this great example right here. Uh, and you know, we had to black out some stuff, white out some stuff because we protect all the information that we provide. But Kristen, you said the opposite of what 5% in the room said. You said you said they should get shorter as you climb the ladder. So talk to me about this email structure and why it's effective. Yeah. So this is an actual email that I sent to a CXO. Um, I was working with a team and we were single threaded as far as buying personas. And I knew we needed to involve other people in the deal. So I told the CXO, hey, I'm meeting with this team. And I'm going to be sending you updates as we go along. And so this is a this is a follow up email that I sent after we met. And all I said, you can see it's three bullet points. And I told him three things. I said, hey, we met with this team today and this is what we did. We tested your data quality. Here's what's happening next. We're going to present results on your past buyers who changed jobs. Here's the date for that meeting. And what and also we're going to quantify the impact to your pipeline growth at that date as well, because this CXO is like a chief growth officer. So that's what he cared about was pipeline growth. So I've made it very easy for him to understand what's happening, what's gone on to this point, what is coming next. And so if he wants to hold his internal team accountable on the, the day of the meeting, then he can say, hey, what happened? But he knows because I've been consistent that I'm going to tell him what happened in that meeting. And it's going to take him 10 seconds to read it. And you can see there's no way he had to scroll on mobile to see what this what this is. Um, and just for kind of context and talking about this, we talked about this deal earlier, he never responded to any of these that I sent, but he opened them multiple times. And at the end of this deal, um, he was actually uh, the main guy that we had worked, we were working with, didn't really see the value. He wanted to go with somebody that was cheaper. and But this guy understood what we were doing, saw that we could impact his numbers better. And he, though he never spoke to me, he was the one who ended up um, saving the deal. I connected him with our um, VP of marketing and they did the final negotiations. Sometimes it's the people that are not even directly involved in the conversation that make the decision. And it's the thoughtfulness that you put behind it while you're multi-threading that earns the credibility there. So we want to give you these tips based on that email that you just saw. Break these tips down for everybody so that they can understand these are guidelines for you as you multi-thread through a deal. Yeah. So like we talked about, higher up in the organization you go, in other words, the higher level of executives, the shorter the email. They are getting hundreds of emails and DMs all day. Keep it very, very short with only the way it impacts them. It is never about what your product does. It is about the impact and the outcome that they will see. They don't care about the function. They only care what it gets them. Uh, like we talked about, they should never have to scroll. Um, Lavender has a really cool feature where if you plug it into your inbox, um, it, they will show you what it looks like on mobile. I've paid for Lavender myself on teams that wouldn't pay for me to use it for that exact reason. It'll also tell you the tone of your email and a whole bunch of other things. I highly recommend using that. Um, yeah, email should only be the impact. It should never, if it includes a feature, you're doing it wrong. 
Um, and then, um, and then you want to reference when at all possible, you want to reference internal language. If they call it project pipeline, you should call it that. If they call their salespeople agents, you should call them agents because the more you use their internal vocabulary, the more credible you sound and the more you sound like one of us. People want to buy from people that are like them, that are familiar with them and that are paying attention. And the inside vocabulary shows all of those things. When do people know when they should start multi-threading? I think earlier and wider at the SDR level is good, but then it kind of gets kicked over to an AE. So specifically for the account executives in the room, when do I go hunt for those two, three to five other possible DMs and start multi-threading with them? Is there a, a red flag I should be looking up that says, now is the time, begin. The minute your SDR sends you a meeting invite for that first meeting. <laughs> That is when, okay, so now I have a VP of sales. So in my deals, I need a VP of marketing. I need a VP of ops. So I then as the AE should be going out to them saying, hey, I'm meeting with your VP sales um, after I've done, after I've reached out to them on LinkedIn. That's what I'm doing before that meeting even happens. Ideally, it should be like four to seven days before that meeting. So they have time to join if they want. I have had executives say, you know what? Yeah, actually add me to that meeting because for our enterprise and mid-market folks in the room, there are frequently, I've had VPs of sales and marketing that are looking for the same thing. They have the same evaluation idea going on, but they didn't know that the other person was doing it. So now you've added value to that organization because you said, hey, you guys are doing the same thing. Maybe we all do this together. I've had that happen multiple times, actually. I think that there's something to be said for people working on the same project and finding out about that and you being that glue that kind of connects them together. Uh, but I think, I think sometimes we get tempted to start trying to schedule group calls. Uh, let me get a two in the chat. If you've ever tried to schedule with two DMs at the same time, and it was nearly impossible because of their scheduling conflicts. Let me get a two in the chat. If this is a common problem for you when you are multi-threading. This is a huge problem for most salespeople. What would you suggest as opposed to earning the the multiple calls with the multiple decision makers? Is there a better workaround for people? And then we're going to get to Q&A. So get your Q&A in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge issue, especially if your meeting is coming up, like I said, in four or seven days. It's really, I'm not hoping that they'll join that meeting. I mean, that's the cherry on top if they do. But what I want to do, what the purpose of that email is, is to let them know this conversation is happening and for them to then schedule a different meeting with me where they say, oh, actually, I can't make the meeting on Friday, but I'd love to speak with you next Wednesday. That's better for everyone anyway. Uh, but we just want to get that conversation started and we're earning that credibility in the organization by talking about who we're meeting with. Also, most people use some sort of call recording. And so lots of times they'll ask, hey, I can't make the meeting, but would you send me the call recording? Pro tip, if you're doing that, likely they're not going to listen to it. They might, but what I don't assume that. And what I do is summarize that call for them when I send them I that, when I send them that call recording. Here's what we talked about. Here's what happened. Here's our next step. Yeah, the summary email is big. Uh, I think we have a link for a summary email. If our, if our sell better team will throw that in there, usually is a great step there when you're multi-threading summary emails for the win, right? Uh, this is a great question from Megan right here. Would you do a three by three by three cadence before the first call with somebody who's on the lower level? 
someone who's great for Intel, but probably not a DM, should you meet with these people three times? Or would you say that's a little bit overkill, if that's how I'm understanding that question, Megan? Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily meet with them three times. Um, so if I, so for, uh, I think what, I think the question is like, if I have a meeting with an AE where I am, uh, where they want to bring user gems into the organization, we're just talking about how do we do that? Right. Um, usually then what I would do if I know that it's like kind of at a user level is I will have that meeting. And then what I'm not going to do is ask that AE directly for an, in, or for a direct introduction, right? Uh, if they offer it, great. But what I want out of that meeting is I want to know who's who in the zoo, who cares about this, who has an who has an agenda or a KPI. Did they talk about this at sales kickoff? Is I want inside intel, and then I'm gonna get, and then we're gonna do a demo of our short walkthrough of my product, so they understand how it benefits them as the AE. But I'm getting that insight first, and then I'm using that inside intel from that AE to go get a meeting with the decision maker. I'm not necessarily naming, hey, I talked with Sally or Megan. What I'm saying is, hey, I've been talking to your team. I've heard X, Y, or Z is an issue. You know, sounds like maybe we should put a conversation around this. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I like the context there. And you're reaching out with somebody, somebody's information that you got that works directly for them. I think the relevance there is probably very good to work to, to mention. Uh, that's a great answer. Great question there. We appreciate that. This one comes from Laura Jens. And I, you had an example of this. What should the subject line be for an executive's first touch? And I just want to say, I'll kick it off here by saying that internal phrase that you know about is a great thing to add to that subject line. What else would you add to a subject line for an executive, Kristen? Ideally, if they're if the name of the project or the name of the you know thing from SKO is is two or three words, that's what it should be in the email because they're getting constant emails and dms from their team about that all day and so when you send it th it looks like something that there is coming from the organization even if and, and the goal is not to trick them but what they're what they're instantly curious because you're not from their organization so like how do you know about this you're already, it's clear you're already involved so that's going to get open the, the better like more inside um intel and vocabulary you can get and work into that brief subject line the better yeah, and you know, we uh, one more thing I would add is we had a great subject line show just a couple days back with Mike Wander from Lavender. We talked about Lavender here. That's yep. one of the pieces of tech that we endorse quite well. Uh, great tool for salespeople's writing skills. Uh, but one of the things that he said was hooks, like but or however, tend to perform quite well. There you go. Thank you very much. That's the link to that show right there in the chat. So go ahead and grab that. I uh, love how we're on the fly with that stuff. We're still answering questions, so get your questions in right now. Uh, Kelly says, do you record a video summary in addition to the narrative? Or is it more just the video and there's like a little bit of text up top? If so, like, what? Are you, how are you formatting a video if you're using that as a summary? If it's a video, I don't think video is a bad idea. Um, I think as long as it's very, very short. Like you mentioned, if it's a nine-minute video, we can put like, thank you, no. No Lord of um, Rings videos for us, thank you. <laughs> no. Um, chances are they're probably, if they're probably going to read that very short, just like summary text. And then if that is compelling, then they may look at the video. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad idea, but whatever it is, it needs to be short. I would agree that it needs to be short, but I'd also say like, Video is a great way to use your creative side to keep momentum going and keep people excited to speak with you, 
right? I use video and my energy comes across very well in my videos. And that's, I think, a lot of the reason why people connect with me and want to keep talking about it. This is your moment for the folks in the room. Uh, Go ahead and let us know in the chat what tech you're using to help you multi-thread sooner, faster, better, stronger. Uh, And let's talk tech for just a moment. What's the best tech that you've used? Let us know in the chat that's helped you multi-thread. Talk tech with me real quick. What do you think, Kristen? What's some tech you'd use? Yeah. So that's actually some shameless plug, but I would pay for user gems even if I didn't work there. And and the multi the multi-thread piece is one of them because um what it does is instead of you having to go out and say, Okay, I have one decision maker, I need to figure out who the next three are and I need to go spend ten minutes on, you know, LinkedIn or I need to go through Salesforce and hope that I find the right one. What user gems does is automatically knows who you're decision makers are and automatically pushes that into um, whatever CRM you're using so that you can then go put them into a sequence right then. You don't have to hunt around for like, and and especially our enterprise reps, you know, you know that when you get inherit a book of business, half of those contacts in there at least are wrong. Yeah. And so it'll save you so much time. Yeah. Data decay is a big issue, especially when you're looking to multi-thread because a lot of times you'll reach out to that human and think, well, this is that person, look at that title. And they're like, I haven't worked there for four months. you know. And that's something that I think everyone is struggling with right now. There's a lot of attrition in the market. I'm a big fan of saved searches in LinkedIn Sales Navigator because I can see that green text underneath that shows me just new people that have recently been added to that list. These are people in my mind that recently fell into my criteria and obtained my title, one of the titles I sell better to. Uh, So that's always a good thing. Uh, Finding personas is always something that I think is a challenge for people. Do you have resources that you go to to be like, what do these titles care about today so that you can be relevant when you start multi-threading? I do a lot of looking at... um thought leadership. So I might Google like VP sales, HBR article, Harvard business review. Like I might Google like VP marketing, McKenzie. Like I want to know what thought, like the thought leadership folks are saying about that and what they're publishing. Uh, Because also I will frequently include a reference to that when I'm emailing, because again, for my own credibility, I don't want to send something that my organization generates. I want to show that I understand the thought leadership that's out there. And so that's, it's keeping up with those things um, that that's how I kind of try to understand what my personas are, are up to, not not anything published by whatever organization I'm working for. Yeah, it seems really silly, but a simple Google search of what that title cares about and sorting by date published is an easy way to look at some relevant current information about the titles you sell well to. So I just wanted to put that strategy in front of people too. It seems simple, but a lot of people miss that step. Uh, this is a good question from Paul. I find that I'm most successful obtaining meetings by sending one email and then calling if I get no response. Would you suggest doing a second sweep, a second call step, and then a second email, or would you suggest restructuring my outreach? Now, I think the call is really it's a good it's a good um, call out for lack of a better word because the, I think the phone is the least noisy channel. Like think about think about how you are. Think about how many texts you get in a day, how many slacks, how many emails versus how many voicemails. Now, in voicemail, you're not what you're not doing is asking them to call you back. Uh, Josh Braun talks about your voicemail is an advertisement for the email or the text or whatever that you just sent them. But voicemail stands out because I mean, I might get one voicemail a day, maybe yeah. three a week. 
So I think it's great that you're calling. And I think having that call step in there and and probably adding another one's probably not a terrible idea because th- you're going to stand out. There's also research out there that talks about people like you better when they hear your voice. James, like you were saying, your video, your energy can come through. Tone is hard when you're just sending, you know, a text or an email. Um, but yeah, voicemail, they have a chance to like hear your, to hear you and the chance of other data says they're going to like you better. So since we're talking about multi-touches and multiple approaches and using voice in that multi-touch approach, uh, what's your best resource for mobile numbers? Zachary wants to know. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. It's one of the things that user gym does is like, is provide that information. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of them that, that the hack for kind of even going around needing a mobile number is if you're using that three-step sequence where you're commenting on something on LinkedIn and then using that to connect with them, once you're a first-degree connection, you can send them a LinkedIn voice message, mm-hmm. which is also not many people are doing, like LinkedIn voice or video. And that's a huge way to stand out because people are like, whoa, what is this? They they yeah. hardly ever get that. And that bypasses your need um, for mobile. So I think that's probably actually the easiest way to connect with them the most directly. I've had a lot of success talking to people that are below the power line and then knowing that I'm connected to their leader already. And then I'll reach out with that voice note that says, yo, what's happening, Dwight? I just had a great conversation with Lisa. She started with you a few months back. She mentioned X. We should connect about that. And if it's relevant to the value I can deliver, I will often earn a meeting that way. This is a great way to multi-thread below and then above right after. And people really do respond well to that. Juan, what's happening, man? Thanks for this question. Uh, Instead of Googling for some research, do you recommend using an AI chat to do the research? Yeah, that's actually one of the things I was thinking. Like, I've definitely um, put some stuff into... um, chat GPT and that has come up with some very interesting stuff. Yeah, I feel like you have to be careful. Um, but yeah, I think we should always be using the tech at our disposal, um, you know, with some common sense. Um, because yeah, why why should we be, you know, trying to do things the hard way? I'm a big fan of uh of making it easier. I think the way to do it is to get into like chat GPT and be like, tell me what chief technology officers care about right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Now write an article about what chief technology yep. officers care about. And then it writes the article and you like read it and be like, yo, <laughs> I asked chat GPT to write this. Check it out. Is it on point for you? Like, that's great. That I like that. Be, right. Like, it would be. <laughs> that's good stuff. I love it. Tell people how they can connect with you. Where would they go? Why would they do that? Yeah. So yeah, they can follow me on LinkedIn. And once they're there, they can see, I just actually put out a discovery guide on my website. These are the two things that I get asked the most about um, are uh, multi-threading and then discovery. So, and you guys are kind enough to to throw the link in there in the chat. So thanks for doing that. No doubt. Hey, this is the way it is, right? You come, you learn, you connect with the experts that come on to the show. Uh, I got time for a couple more questions here. Uh, This one comes from Paul. It says, how to sell your fine concept to account managers. I see value in the approach. I think my account. Oh, Paul, that's not a question. That's a comment. Sorry. I appreciate you, my friend. I want to say thanks to you for coming out and sharing your wisdom. I always ask for our guests to leave a final thought, obviously stolen from Jerry Springer. You're welcome. Throw your stones at me. I'm fine with it. Uh, Talk to me about what you want people coming away thinking from this show. What's the one nugget you would leave for them when it comes to multi-threading? Yeah. So multi-threading should happen from prospecting to procurement, from the time the deal starts 
to up until the point that you have a signed contract in your hands, you should always be talking to multiple, multiple people in that deal. Good thought right there. Start sooner. Start looking at those people. I want to thank you guys for coming out to the show, spending your afternoon. Sorry, your morning with us. I'm used to being in the afternoon. Uh, we went live today a little bit earlier, so I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Be sure and give us a great score on that survey that comes your way and follow us on social, sellbetter.xyz. That's the new website. And make sure that you reach out to me direct at Say What Sales. I've never met a stranger in my life, just a friend <laughs> that I haven't met yet. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Get out there and make it happen. Have a good one. See you tomorrow.